3: Welcome to the show. We have almost finished another week on the program. Hi, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand on for Life, a program I hope you know by now that's dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions or life questions or pretty much anything on your heart and mind. Um, we look at the Bible. We believe Jesus has all of the answers, and we'd like to share them with you. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. At six three zero five seven five seven, you can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app to send in questions. We prefer your phone calls, but any way that you want to get the questions to us, we'll take them. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Uh, The Call Now banner, you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, 340-9585 for our primary number. Because it's Friday, I know we're all heading into a busy weekend. You know, it's always funny with uh, churches. You know, when the church gets busy, the rest of the world is taking it easy. Um, But our busy is good busy. We have a service tonight. I'm going to be finishing Hebrews chapter 4, just three verses tonight. On Sunday, I'm going to continue in Luke chapter 12 and wherever you're going to church the only thing I am praying and hoping that you will do is to offer your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to him if you'll do that I promise you he'll use you and church takes on a whole new dimension it's not something that we go to or something that we sit and watch Uh, it's, it's a family it's the way God uses the gifts that he's given us. And that's the way to really enjoy the church experience. Be part of the family. Be a blessing to somebody else. Don't worry about you being blessed. God will take care of that. But you can focus on being a blessing to somebody else. Have a great, great weekend. I know here at Calvary we will. Uh, let me get to some questions that have been sent in while we await any phone calls. Uh, this first one is from Chris Alda. Um, my husband and I watch live stream of every CCSA service from California. We love the teaching and feel like we're a part of your church. Uh, I have a question about taking medication for my anxiety. Is it okay? Some have told us that it isn't okay that we should trust God. Griselda, thank you for watching. You know, we have a, an unusually large live stream audience um, every service, and uh, it's kind of befuddling to me but we have lots and lots of people Griselda, I hope that one day you and your husband will make a trip here to Texas and stop in so we can meet face to so face and give each other a hug but thank you for watching I appreciate it very very much um, the question of taking medication of course it's okay to take medication for your anxiety um I would if I were in your place I would think about Jesus first I would I would really bring this matter to him in prayer uh is this something he wants to take care of but honestly uh griselda the the medication is no different than than if you have a headache you take aspirin um sometimes anxiety and other um psych meds of of that sort um are, are just ways to fix problems that can't be fixed any other way so yeah it's okay this is a romans fourteen twenty three thing anything not of faith is sin So this is between you and the Lord. I promise you that if you spend some time in his word, and if you really submit this to prayer, he will give you an answer. He'll let you know what his purpose is. Um, Don't listen to anybody else who's going to tell you it's right or it's wrong. Um, The way you trust God is to submit the matter to him. I have a little bit of a problem, Chris Elder, with people who... Uh, are quick to give counsel, you know, it's not okay, your faith is not um, uh, good enough. Um, they, They have no idea what they're talking about. They don't live with you. They don't know what's going on. If the medication works, then it's probably a good thing for you. If there's no side effects that affect your walk with the Lord, then it's probably a good thing. And I believe with all of my heart, and this is not just for anxiety, but other types of, of meds for other conditions. Uh, I believe, Griselda, that it's a Christian's responsibility to do whatever it takes to make him or her um, fruitful in their ministry for Jesus. I know people who've come here, Griselda, who, um, uh, in fact, just a few weeks ago, I had had somebody come and tell me a story that they'd been sitting out in our parking lot for more than a year they just couldn't bring themselves to come in because they have uh, anxiety issues with crowds and those kinds of things and you know we're not a huge huge building but we have a lot of people that are packed in and he would see all the people coming in and he just couldn't make it in Um, one day he walked up to the front and he said well I'm here today and I said well good and he introduced himself and he explained to me that it's been been a year and he wasn't able to come in because of the anxiety but he overcame it and we hope that God is doing great work so um, do what's right for you do what's right to produce fruit in your service for the Lord thank you for writing and appreciate you listening to the program and I appreciate you for sure um, giving us a chance for the question here is an anonymous question. It says, uh, Pastor on I'm not a believer yet. I struggle with the fact that nice people can go to hell while a really bad person can go to heaven if they believe in Jesus, even at their deathbeds. Can you help me understand? You know, Anonymous, I've come up with this so many times. Uh, we minister uh, to a lot of police officers here. And um, um, one of them, a police officer's name was Robert. Um, he, he had the same problem. He said, you know, I'm out with criminals all day long and you're going to tell me that somebody that, that I've had to arrest or somebody that's done something bad, all they have to do is believe in Jesus and they're going to get to heaven and I'm a good person. I'm trying to do the right thing and I'm not going to go to heaven. And, and what I told him, um, Anonymous, was simply that he has too high an opinion of himself. Um, you know, they're nice people, but nice people have the same chance to know Jesus as as you do, or as I do. And really, niceness is relative. You know, they may be nice compared to me, but I'm not the standard. Jesus is. And the way to answer them, and I hope this will help you, is that only perfect people get to go to heaven. Now, we can't be perfect. You understand what I'm saying. Our perfection is given to us by Jesus. When he died, He took our sins, he gave us his perfection, and the only way that we can be declared righteous, that's what the word means, we're we're perfect before God, is to believe in Jesus Christ, and as Jesus gives us his perfection, God in heaven sees us as completely pure, completely perfect. And that's the only qualification to get heaven. Now, if there was no remedy for imperfection, then we would be lost. I mean, then it would be sort of unfair. Only perfect people go to heaven. Nobody's perfect. But Jesus offers that perfection. And that's the reason only Christians, born-again believers, anonymous, are going to be in heaven. Because they're the ones whose sins are wiped away by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love the fact that there are people who come to faith in Jesus on their deathbed. I love the fact that The thief on the cross could watch Jesus die, could listen to what he said, and his heart be so moved that he could say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, I want you to think about something, Anonymous. There was another thief that was the same distance away as the thief that eventually ended up in paradise, and he continued to insult and mock Jesus. Both of them started out that way, but he continued to insult and mock And he, of course, went to what we call hell. Luke chapter 16, he is still there in that compartment being tormented. But he had an opportunity. Anonymous, my father, who is not a nice man, rejected anything to do with God his entire life. Even when Paul and I were getting ready to leave for Texas, we made one last visit to him to tell him what we were going to do, starting a church and, Dad, you need Jesus, all the normal things. He wanted nothing to do with it. And yet he fell in his home, 84 years of age, hit his head. I found him unconscious, took him to the hospital. A friend of mine from a Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas where my dad lived went to share the gospel with him and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior now I would never have believed that my dad would do that but he did, I couldn't get there until the next morning and that next morning I went in the hospital didn't even recognize my dad he was such a mess he was unconscious, I prayed just for a little while, Lord I want to be sure, help him wake up. He did. He looked at me and said, Ronnie, you came? I said, well, Dad, of course I came. I said, I wanted to be able to tell you about Jesus. Now my friend Derek was here yesterday and he told you about Jesus. He said, yeah, I remember he told me about how to get to heaven. I said, Dad, did you really accept Jesus in your heart? And he told me yes. And then he went to sleep. Never woke up again. You know what that means, Anonymous? It means I'm going to have a relationship with my dad in heaven. A relationship that I never could have had here. Because of God's infinite grace and his patience. So I like the fact that God is patient unwilling for any to perish. One other thing usually anonymous, and since I don't know you, this please don't make this personal, but usually when people ask this question, it's rooted in the fact that they think that they're pretty nice. Well, I'm a nicer person than this person, I'm a better person than that person. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we're not very good at all. In our flesh is no good thing, the Bible says. So, since perfection is the only way to get to heaven, and since Jesus is the only one who can give you perfection, I would think really long and hard about asking Jesus into your heart. And you started this by saying, I'm not a believer yet. So, nonetheless, I hope that changes. If you have any questions, please feel free to call or write back. We'd love to help you. 340 9585 for this Friday program. Brian said. Um, Pastor Ron, how do you refute the argument that the theology of the raptor is new in terms of church history established by John Darby? Uh, Brian, the people that say that don't know what they're talking about. My theology doesn't come from Darby. Darby certainly popularized the notion of a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. But he didn't invent it. You know who invented it? The Apostle Paul. Read Paul in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Read Paul in 1st Corinthians 15. We will not all die, but we will be changed. They, 1st Thessalonians, are appointed to wrath, but we are appointed to salvation. Paul in the 1st century church with unanimity it wasn't like now where there's different views and people argue. with unanimity they believe that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime we who are still alive will be caught up in the air to be with them who's with them? those who are dead in Christ will be caught up in the air so this argument Brian that Darby is the one who started it. I can even go a little bit later Uh, It was certainly popularized by Hal Lindsey in his unbelievably runaway best-selling little paperback book, The Late Great Planet Earth. They were just recycling what the Apostle Paul had already taught. And if you look at your Bible, look at your New Testament... The early church really believed that Jesus was going to come at any moment and take them from this world. And in fact, in Thessalonica, Brian, um, they started to see some of their friends and family members dying, and that's the reason they wrote, to, to, to ask the question, well, well what, what happens to them? we got people here saying that, well, they just missed out on it then. And Paul wrote and said, no, they're already with him. We won't precede them. Why? Because they're already with them, with him. But we will be then snatched up, we who are still alive, and will be caught up to be with them in the air forever. So you have to reroute or refute the argument. Um, all you have to do is read your Bible, read your New Testament. And if my math is right, Brian... Those New Testament passages were written way, way, way before the 20th century when Darby was writing. Here's a question from Greg. Is it normal for a Christian to become fearful of death as they grow older? It seems like being with Jesus should overshadow the fear of death. You know, Greg, uh, we had uh, not uh, just this past Saturday. In fact, I we have a pastor's discipleship class. Uh, gosh, we've been doing it for more than 20, 21, 22 years. Uh, every other Saturday from 10.30 to 12.30. Uh, and this is one of the things that we, we talked about. Um, one of the men uh, in the class, and we probably got 70 people or so in the class. Um, but one of the men in the class, he just said, you know, we were talking about things that cause our, our faith to weaken or things that almost cause us to stumble. And this one man said, you know, I have to let me be really open with everybody, he said, uh, the older I get, the more I am afraid of dying. And he said the same thing, you know, we're going to go to be with Jesus, we know that's a good thing, but I'm afraid of dying. Um, Greg, that's a completely normal thing. Uh, I am a, an expert on growing older, I'm 67 years old. Uh, And I want to be with Jesus more than I want my next breath. However, um, having gone through uh, two heart surgeries in the last uh, just short of two years, um, there were some some times when I thought, you know, I might not make it. And I, I, I thought about Paul, I thought about my kids, I thought about all the people at this church who are like blood family to me, closer than blood family. I thought about the privilege that my life is and I was afraid. So it's okay to be afraid. I think instinctively, Greg, that we're built in a way that fighting for life, holding on to life is part of who we are. It has nothing to do with faith. It's just part of our instinct, our instinct to survive. I also think, Greg, while it's Normal to become fearful of death. The unknown is always just a little bit scary, even though we know where we're going. What we do is we don't let that fear keep us from faithfully and fruitfully serving God. We're in a spiritual battle, and when we're afraid of our health, believe me, the enemy is using that uh, to attack over and over and over. So what we got to do is we got to fight. We got to fight. I remember being in the hospital, going in and going to have surgery the next day. Now, this was the first surgery, not the second one. And I'm sitting here thinking, I told Paula, I looked at her, and I said, Paula, don't let me embarrass Jesus. Don't let me embarrass you here. Um, I had no idea how I was going to do as a patient. I think I did pretty good. But at the same time, I wanted my faith to be on display for the doctors, for the nurses, for anybody else who came in. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that was they were rolling me into the operating room I wasn't a little bit afraid. So I think this is normal, I wouldn't worry about it, I just think it's something that we have to mm-hmm. understand is part of the human condition. Again, I want to be with Jesus more than anything else in this world, uh, however, I like my life too so I've come to the conclusion Greg that I pray Jesus I just want to be here as long as you want me to be here not one minute longer not one minute less and may I be faithful through it all so I hope that helps Michael's question is next he says the two witnesses of revelation are they literal people or are they symbols of Gentiles and Jews becoming one under Christ? You know, Michael, that's the first time I've ever heard um, that, um, that symbolism even offered as a possible result. Um, I, I can say unequivocally that the, they're two literal people, uh, Elijah and Moses. Elijah representing the prophets, Moses representing the law. Jesus, when he was here, said the law and the prophets... Um, talk about me. We know it was the same two, Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. And in the same way, the two witnesses are real people and they will proclaim Jesus. Now we know they're in, they're eventually going to die. Uh, their bodies are going to be tortured and and uh, dragged through the streets uh, in, in what the Jews uh, believe uh, is humiliation. Uh, Jews and tells, by the way, in the in the last days in the great tribulation and then suddenly after three days they're going to rise it's sort of like Jesus saying exclamation point just like I rose I'm bringing them back to life and they're going to ascend into heaven but but they're two real people um, no symbols at all of Gentiles and Jews becoming one under Christ they're real people uh, and what a ministry they're going to have they're going to be here for the first three and a half years of the seven year tribulation and for the whole three years, they're going to be at the Western Wall. We call it the Wailing Wall. You see it on the news feeds from, from, uh, from Jerusalem. The, the Jews will pray at the Western Wall with, you know, shaking back and forth. Uh, they're going to be there. And um, anybody that tries to kill them is going to be destroyed. Fire is going to come from their mouth. The miracles that they do are the miracles that Moses and Elijah did. So, Michael, they are real people, and their names are Moses and Elijah. We are inside three minutes. Let me get a quick question. 3409585, if you've got some live calls or questions for the second half of the program. Um, can't answer Eric's. It's too long. Uh, here's one from Jennifer. Why doesn't God speak to us now like he did with men like Moses and Abraham? Um, Jennifer, the, the answer is given to us in Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us, and literally in the Greek, it's in son. And the idea there is that everything the father has to say, he said in the person of Jesus Christ. That wasn't true when he spoke to Moses and when he called Abram by name. Abram was from an idol worshipping family himself an idol worshipper but one day I think with his heart coming out of his place of worship where his idols of stone and wood would have been set up I think his heart was just there's got to be more, that can't be real, I made these idols how can I offer things to them, how can I pray to them I'm going to expect to get an answer, and I think at just the right time, he got the answer he was looking for. Abram, Abram, the Lord said, "Who are you, Lord?" And all Abram um, Abraham, we know him as Abram knew, was, "This is a God who's personal, this is a God who knows my name. Now, God doesn't speak audibly like that any longer. And the reason is because he doesn't have to. He has already revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And how do you top that? If Jesus is God's final word, how do we top that? I know it's especially when you're a young Christian, Jennifer. It's tempting to want those supernatural appearances of God. But the most supernatural, most spectacular appearance of God onto this earth ever was when God became a baby and he was given the name Jesus and Jesus would die for our sins. You might also be surprised that while he won't speak to you audibly, if you hang out with Jesus, if you open your Bible, he's going to speak to you a lot. Not audibly, but he'll speak to your heart. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the week. The phones are quiet, 340-9585. You're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes.
1: To the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh
3: welcome back to the show we have 30 minutes left in the week is all 340-9585 let's go to san antonio texas and talk with richard online one richard thanks for calling you're on the air
2: Yes, God bless you, Pastor. It's so good to hear your voice and hear your voice on the radio. I think that you are doing an excellent job in teaching the Word of God. I have Thank a question. You. Something you had said uh, a week and a half ago, I believe, but I, I now have the opportunity to call you. Uh, you indicated that Facebook is not good for Christians, or worse to that effect.
3: <laughs> I'm laughing with you, Am Richard. I I'm not you? laughing at you. Did I, hear
2: that? Did I hear that wrong.
3: Yeah, no. What I said is, I, I usually say something like Facebook is is poison. It, it's not worth our time. I want people to spend more time in the Bibles than on Facebook. And, and I'm 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 overemphasizing for effect, but it's not sinful or anything. I, I think there's a lot of sin that goes on on Facebook, but I, I just don't understand the value, Richard. Um, uh, I've seen the arguments on Facebook. I've seen. The 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 gossip that goes on Facebook, I've seen Christians sitting before a keyboard, forgetting that they belong to Jesus Christ. And, and it honestly it grieves my heart. I just don't see any value whatsoever. Uh, and I have seen so much harm. Uh, obviously, I'm not a social media person. But, um, uh, I, I, again, it's not sinful. I don't want to mislead anybody. Uh, I just don't see any value in arguing with people or debating with people. Or um, I, I just think if, if people would spend half the time they do on Facebook and other social media platforms in the Bible, uh, that their, their walk with Christ would be enriched immeasurably. So that's what I meant to say, Richard
2: beneficial for the sake of a witnessing tool
3: well I I, I just don't see much of that uh, going on on Facebook you know again I see a lot of people debating on Facebook but but I think witnessing is, is intended to be empowered by the Holy Spirit I think it's intended to be face to face you know Jesus did really really well winning people to Christ before social media was a thing So, um, uh, again, I I understand for every um, comment I might make, somebody's going to say, but I use it for for witnessing or I use it for positive things. Uh, But the general rule is uh, I I just haven't seen any value whatsoever. Again, if 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 somebody differs with me, if they have a a ministry on Facebook that's productive, God bless them. But uh, I just haven't seen it, Richard. So that that's my point.
2: Could, could you, Because of your extensive knowledge of the Word of God, which I do appreciate and I admire in many ways, uh, could you use, with, with the extensive knowledge that you have, that you present to us, could you use Facebook or other type of media for the sake of preaching the Word or, use youtube from time to time things of that nature let's use youtube and and uh, facebook could you use uh, that for uh, um, spreading the word you personally well, as a, as a great pastor that you are
3: well i, I appreciate it richard i i i'm I, I can be found on youtube we don't do that we we keep all of our stuff on our website at Uh so i've got plenty of exposure Out there, Um, uh, you know, I learned I've I've learned a long time ago that that I have a a face for radio (laughs) and and, uh, uh, high definition cameras are not not gentle to me. Uh, But but what we have chosen to do is um, take more traditional approach. Uh, I'm talking to probably 80,000 people um, on this radio program every day. Um, our 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 website gets all kinds of traffic. Uh, our live streams and and um, uh, I, I've got teaching programs on radio stations all over the country. In fact, in, in other parts of the world now as well. Um, and and we have a fruitful radio ministry. So it's um, it's it's a little more expensive than maybe putting things on YouTube. Um, uh, I occasionally will go YouTube and, and listen to some people. I've got lots of friends who are, are uh, have a very large presence on YouTube. Um, it's just not something that we've been led to do. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram or Snapchat or anything else. Um, I'm pretty busy doing what I do. And for me, Richard, I my my the the, the most effective way to talk with people is face to face. And I think a lot of our social media generation has lost the ability to talk to people face to face, and and you know we can we can be empathetic and we can be sympathetic, and our passion for the Lord can come out. So, uh, for just just for me, just for Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, that's just not something that we've chosen to do. We do live stream all of our services. Um, we have audio and video files available online. Um, so, um, everything is available, and, and we're not Luddites or anything, but it's just that um, um, I'm better with people than I am uh, with a keyboard. Richard, thank you very much for that, and I appreciate your kind words.
2: Then the average Christian, um, all the Christians haven't gone to that high level that you are now. And um, that's, that's very impressive. That's something that a, a marked a, a, a goal or objective that I should shoot for as well sure. in terms of what you're doing and, and getting the word out. I've always enjoyed you and your, your wife. She's a beautiful person. <laughs> and every time I hear y'all, I hear oneness, you know. Um, yep. Y'all are one in the Lord. And that's great. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Pastor.
3: Thank, thank you, Richard. Appreciate it very, very much.
2: God bless
3: you. Bye-bye. You too. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. It's always a little embarrassing for me to hear that. Uh, you know, uh, um, and, and for you, Richard, and for anybody else who's listening, um, whether it's a radio show like this or the teaching programs or uh, teaching the Bible tonight at, uh, at 7 o'clock, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, the one thing that I've always prayed for before I go into the pulpit is, Lord, if the people don't understand a word I say, I want them to see two things. One, how much I love you and how much I trust your word. Just those two things. If people see that, God uses that to draw people to himself. Let's go to, we've got a question from Nacho, Pastor Ron. Could we apply Zephaniah one twelve to be used to deal with universalists? The all roads lead to heaven statement are there New Testament passages that address them? Uh, let me read Zephaniah 1.12. Uh, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, uh, who are like the wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. And, of course, Zephaniah is prophesying about the judgment that's coming and and the people in Israel uh, who should know better, but but think, oh, God's not going to judge us. And in their complacency, they just forgot about the holiness of God. They forgot about the justice of God. Um, not so I don't think it can be used to deal with universalists. And, and the reason is because um, in the Old Testament, God is speaking to his people, those that he especially called out. Uh, in the New Testament, Universalists aren't saved, you know, and I know you probably know people that that believe everybody's going to end up in heaven and they claim to be Christians, but they're not. Now, let me make one special exception. Uh, I think there are brand new Christians who don't know anything and they're really saved. They're really converted. But in their course of finding out who Jesus is, I think what's going to happen is that the the word is going to open up. Remember, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He is the spirit of truth. And he's going to lead us into truth, um, but but overwhelmingly, the vast, vast, vast majority of universalists are not believers at all. So they couldn't uh, pastorate, or, or they couldn't uh, um, compare with this Old Testament passage uh, regarding New Testament passages that addresses them. It's simple. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me." Um, Hebrews 9.27 is appointed unto man uh, once to die and then face the judgment. Um, Judgment has nothing to do with those of us who are going to heaven. So uh, I don't think it can be seen in that light, Nacho. um, But it's a very, very specific warning to those of us who say we're God's people. And at the same time, we become complacent and we become lazy in our walk and we start to dabble in sin and think, oh, God's going to be okay with this because he understands. As a pastor over the years, I get that as much as anything else. Well, God understands my needs. Um, He doesn't. God wants me to be happy. He doesn't. He wants us to be obedient. And when we're obedient, we'll be filled with joy. So Nacho, thank you. Hope that helps. Let's go to Converse, Texas now and talk with Mike on line one. Mike, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Mike, are you with us? Can you hear me? Hi, Mike. I can hear you now.
4: Can you hear me? Okay, great. I'm going to have to pull over in a parking lot because I've got my Bluetooth. But I'm legal now. I'm legal now, Pastor Ron. I don't want to be illegal.
3: Okay, good for you. (laughs)
4: Um, The reason I I had to pull into a Walmart parking lot over here, there's a little neighborhood Walmart that's over here. Uh, The reason why I was calling, um, I'm I'm having a problem. My wife and I have been married for 14 years, and for a lot of reasons, she came out of the Catholic Church. Uh, She was not real happy. There was a lot of stuff going on that she didn't agree with. And she joined. She went through the classes of the church, the denomination that I go to, and we've been very happy for 14 years. And now she's telling me she wants to go back to the Catholic Church, and I'm very troubled. I've, I've recommended that we either stop going to each of our denominational churches and maybe come to your church, <laughs> but uh, she hasn't. Uh, she hasn't given me an answer, and I'm a little troubled.
3: Well, I, I, you're right to be troubled, Mike, but but this is not at all unusual. Uh, there there's a whole lot of guilt that just seems to be attendant with Catholicism, and uh, there there's always going to be people, family members, or old friends uh, who are in their ear. Uh, you know, you've left the church, and um, and, and it's just the, the way the enemy works. Now, I think it's now, actually it be, exactly
4: her, it's actually her family that is yep. doing this, and I thought they respected. The fact that she married me, there there needs to be boundaries, Pastor Ron, and I just don't see any
3: Yeah, the the re, the reality, Mike, is that those boundaries are going to be um, breached over and over and over. Um, as as lifelong Catholics, her family is always going to be reaching out. Um, what she needs to to do is is decide once and for all to take a stand for what she knows is true. Um, You you know, one of the things, and and it doesn't have to be my church that you come to, that's not the point here, but uh, I think it's a really, really good compromise. Again, I don't know what denomination church you go to, but sometimes denominational churches are just really, really dry, and there's not much teaching that goes on, and the result of that is, It's sort of a dryness in our faith. It just sort of shrivels up and dies. And um, uh, if if you would just tell her, just let's go to this church or that church. Just come with me two or three times and let's see if we don't notice a difference. And and you should be constantly in prayer for her. And here's what I think would happen. I think the Holy Spirit will grab her heart. If she would come to our church, she would find at any given point a hundred people who've gone through exactly the same thing that she has.
4: She feels very lonely at my church, Pastor Ron. Because yep. because uh, she she's isolated herself and the ladies of our church have tried to reach out but uh, in fact my mother even recommended that she join the uh, uh, the the people that do the, the stuff at the front with the with the water and the wine and I can't think of the, mm-hmm. the thing you know Anyway, yes. it's, it's a group of ladies. They make sure that the church looks nice and pretty, particularly the, the, uh, the, the, the altar and all that. The altar guild, that's what I was trying to think of, the altar guild. And they're wonderful, warm. They're older than we are. Most of the people in our church are older than we are. Uh, but, mm-hmm. just, but, but I'm worried, Pastor Ron. That's why I'm reaching out to you. I'm genuinely, genuinely concerned... Now, my, my cousin, God bless him, he's a pastor, and I won't say where, but he had recommended mm-hmm. that we swap off, go to my church one Sunday, and then go to her church, go to the Catholic church one Sunday. I don't know if that's a workable thing. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm just... No. I, yeah, I he think... I, 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 he's got a strong marriage, I think.
3: Yeah, Mike, res- respectfully, I don't think that's a good solution. Um, Why don't you take it one week at a time? And here's what I promise would happen. If you guys would stop by and visit our church, uh, your wife will be absolutely bowled over by the life in this church, by the love, um, uh, the, the, the diversity of people, um, the, the joy in worship, um, um, the, the value of the word of God being taught verse by verse. And that's where the denominations are really missing it. They're not teaching their people. And so your wife is looking for something to fill an emptiness in her heart. And, and the, the, the pressure she's getting from the family is saying, well, you've got to come back home to the Catholic Church. Um, I think this is an opportunity for you to say, let's take two weeks and let's go to this other church. There's nothing churchy about our church. It doesn't look like a church. It's tacky. But when you walk in, it's like the tabernacle in the wilderness. It's plain and ordinary in appearance. But inside is just this absolute wealth of love and joy and passion. And And just let the Holy Spirit just tell her, for me, two weeks and and just see what God will do. Mike, I think that the Lord will really, really minister to her heart.
4: Well, I will introduce myself when we do this, Pastor Ron, because I want to do what you just said. I want to it, just do for two weeks and let me know what you think. You know, just give me a moment. Okay. You know, but I appreciate it, and I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you, sir. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Mike. I look forward to meeting you. God bless you. 340 Let's go to Ray in San Antonio, Texas. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. How
4: are you doing, Pastor Ron?
3: Hi, Ray. I'm doing well.
4: Great. Uh, Pastor, okay, two questions. Uh, the Bible mentioned the book of Enoch and the uh, book or Chronicles of Jazer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, is, is it a right to get information from that book? And my second question is, is do I, I, I don't have my Bible with me right now, but uh, is United States mentioned in Revelation or? In Daniel 8, 9, yes. um, thank you for your opinion,
3: always, Pastor. Thank you, Ray. God bless you. Uh, uh, the, the books uh, that are mentioned, um, it's not a validation of those books. But when they quote those books, Ray, what they're saying is that that particular statement in the book is true or applies to whatever that was teaching. So there's no real value in you digging up the books. I don't think there's any harm either, but but there's no real value. They're just books that are written by men. But in those two cases, they were books that were being uh, circulated uh, and were well known by the people. Now that's much not the case today uh, in our culture, Uh, but you can still find um, um, information on those books. You can find parts of those books uh, available, but 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 there's no um, comparison to the Bible. Uh, it's just saying that the statement that's being affirmed there is a statement that is is trustworthy. Uh, but but relative to the book itself, the rest of the book um, has no value other than historical interest uh, or or just um, you know some of us like to study. So uh, that would be the case. Um, The other question, Ray, there's no mention of the United States anywhere in the Bible, Uh, not in Daniel uh, chapter 9, certainly not in uh, the book of Revelation. I know that seems hard for us to understand uh, because we are at at least, have been our lifetimes, um, the the most powerful and richest country on earth. Now we may not be the most powerful and we're certainly not the richest, but we're still um, a world power And and our way of thinking is, of course, the United States has to figure in to the end times. Ray, I I have just an opinion uh, on on this. I have an opinion and I have a hope. Let me give the opinion first. The opinion is, and we see this happening in our country right now. We have so distanced ourselves from the God of the Bible. We care nothing at all about spiritual things. We want to do what we want to do. And um, we have turned our back on God, so I think it's, it's reasonable to assume that, um, that there is no purpose or place for us in the end-time scenarios. I think we are like Rome did, um, a, a, a far stronger empire relative to the world that, that they lived in at the time. Rome sort of just sent itself out of existence. They were never defeated militarily like uh, Babylon was or like uh, the, Pers- the the Medes and the Persians were or like Alexander the Great was. Rome just sort of sinned itself out of existence. And I think that's what we're doing. So, my opinion is that we will just simply cease to be an important player on the world scene as we come nearer to the end of, of, of this time on Earth. My hope Ray, And this is something we can all pray for. My hope is that there will be one last great revival in the world before Jesus comes. One last great revival. And it would certainly explain the absence of the United States if there was a great revival here. I I think back to the Jesus movement days of the 60s and 70s. Uh, If there was another revival that would have that kind of an impact in this country, then I think with the rapture of the church, the United States would be insignificant just based on size. So that's my hope, but it's not my opinion. So I hope that makes sense to you, Ray. Thank you very much for the questions. We're inside five minutes. Let's see. Uh, Eric's question is, what are the consequences of the church not believing the Bible is inerrant any longer? Eric, we can see the consequences. The consequences are we have churches that are now uh, accepting and affirming of, of homosexual relationships, something God could never even uh, have considered. Uh, we see um, women who are assuming roles of authority as as preachers and pastors In churches, something the Bible strictly forbids. Uh, We've seen psychology (laughs) invade the church. People trusting in that which is godless, rather than that which is written by God, Uh, and faith diminishes. I think our fruit begins to dry up, and we. Those are the very consequences that we're living with every single day. We read the the headlines or watch the news, and we see the result of a church with no power. We see a nation that's murdered 65 million babies. We see today, even in our own city, today in San Antonio, Texas, our city council putting new restaurants in the airport. Say we don't want to put we're not going to let Chick-fil-A come and Chick-fil-A wanted to come to the airport they're not going to let Chick-fil-A come because well they don't they're not inclusive they don't share our values and I think Eric that's the church that's lost power if you lose the Bible you lose Jesus we're not in love with our Bibles in the same manner that we're in love with Jesus. But if we lose our Bibles, if we lose our ability to depend on His Word being absolutely perfect, then we lose Jesus. And there's no end to where we will end up. So Eric, I think those are the consequences. I think we're living with them now. Last question for today. We've got two minutes left. Seth wants to know, is John MacArthur a Calvinist? He also thinks that most people in church aren't really saved. What are your thoughts? Uh, John MacArthur is decidedly a Calvinist, a five-point Calvinist. Um, John MacArthur is also a very gifted Bible teacher and has had a very fruitful life and ministry for the Lord. He's just wrong in, in that particular theology. Um, I have heard him say that he doesn't think that Um, half of the people in churches every Sunday are really born again. And I'm not sure that I don't agree with them on that. Um, I'm not a stickler for the numbers. I just know that in every church, including ours, um, there's a whole bunch of people that come to church because it's a religious thing to do. They know it's the right thing to do, but they've never really surrendered their heart to Jesus Christ and we know that one belongs to Christ only when he or she is born again and when you're born again you change and it's frightening Seth it's absolutely terrifying to see the numbers of people who are confident they're going to heaven but who've never ever really been changed by Jesus at all it's impossible for me to understand oh I'm a good person I go to church that's not enough so hope that answers your question. Hey, thanks for the call today. I appreciate you tuning in every single day. This is the Word to send and for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. We're all going to church. Be the church this week. Let the Lord use you to be a blessing to someone else. God bless you. I'll see you next Monday, Lord willing, on AM 630, The Word.